On episode 54, we discussed three recession strategies to help protect your business from any economic downturn. You'll learn the mistakes to avoid with an emergency fund, why profit and loss statement could mislead you in a recession, and finally, one expense that you should not cut. As always, if this has been helpful to you or brings you value in any way, please do me a favor and share with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. If you are new here, I want to give you the two different formats that we run with. We have today's type of format, which is a solo we can go really deep into specific topics around finance, tax, wealth management, business strategy, things like that. Things that I have the expertise on to go dot deep, do a deep dive and give you some action steps and procedures that you can do. The second type is where we bring on a guest and they can range from other experts that can talk to you about how they support your fitness community and whether that's sales, marketing, or something that I do, but they go deeper potentially if it's like account specific accounting expertise, maybe a lawyer or something like that, or just a colleague of yours that's a successful coach and they talk about the things they've done well and maybe some mistakes they've made that you can learn from. So again, today's episode will be a solo all about helping three strategies for helping you navigate a recession. Whether you think one's coming as I'm recording, this is being recorded in early October of 2022. So depending on when you listen to this, maybe the the concerns for a recession are full blown at that point, or maybe they blew over and it's not a big deal. But regardless, recessions are not an if, they're a when, you know, and what causes them will likely be different each time. But you have to plan for the economic downturns that are going to exist many times throughout the decades of your career of running your own fitness business. So there's going to be some takeaways that you can get from this, whether you believe that we're one is pending or not, because most of the things as you'll see, the preparation for them is best suited before we're in these economic times, the harsh economic times. And as well, as I'm recording this, they are inflations through the roof. So people are already potentially having issues with that, but let's dive in. So we're going to give three, Three things you can do or three things to be aware of to help you navigate a recession. Now, like anything, I have a lot of disclaimers with this podcast because this is not advice and this is supposed to be educational and these are going to apply differently for each person. I'm not telling you to go do these things, specifically the one that I'll bring up that I'm saying I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying it's an option, but... The first thing that that you need to do, oh, the other part of the the disclaimer was, you know, like this is not saying recession proofing your business, but these will help 
strengthen your ability to weather some storms that could come your way. I do want to make that distinction because, you know, we're not guaranteeing that, you know, your business is going to survive, but here's some things you can do to really strengthen it compared to your competition. The first one, and it's talked about a lot and it's emergency funds. Now you should have an emergency fund in your personal life and your business life, but let's dive into what that looks like as a rule of thumb for your personal emergency fund. And this is, this is for your personal expenses. Now, obviously like if your business is having tough times, most people listening to this, they're living off of their business. So they need, you need to make sure that your personal expenses are covered and then kind of along those same lines on the business side, you want to make sure you have an emergency fund to cover the business expenses as well. Like you might have a team, you might have an office, you might have certain things in the business that you need to keep going through harsh economic times. Like maybe clients start to drop off if they've lost their jobs and things like that, which as I'm recording this in 2022, that's a, for people who are pretty tuned into what's happening, that that's a major concern that unemployment could go through the roof. So your clients could be facing a situation where you're, your coaching could be cost prohibitive if they lose a job. So let's let's break out some details of how these emergency funds work and some rules of thumb. On the personal side, the rule of thumb is anywhere between three and six months is really the, the rule of thumb of how much of your personal expenses you need to have sitting in a bank savings account. Again, this is not invested. This is not locked up in real estate. It's gotta be liquid even though interest rates are not that great with checking accounts now, well, as I'm recording this, they're getting better, but they're not obviously keeping up with inflation. If inflation is like 9% as I'm recording this and on the high end, I've seen checking accounts or savings accounts give up to like low 3%. But these should be, these have to be liquid that by definition, these are emergency funds. So they have to be liquid. They can't be tied up in the stock market or anything else. So if the rule of thumb is three to six months, how do you decide three or six or maybe more than six? That's going to depend on the risk tolerance and the risk level in your personal life. Here's what I mean. If you're married and your spouse has a job completely separate from what you do, meaning that depending on what type of economic fallout hits, and, I, and I'm trying not to use these specific examples of what we're seeing now because I want this to be applicable to whatever the next concern is. You know, like when the concern before was COVID, now it's what the economy is happening, potentially people losing jobs. The 0809 was different because that was more real estate related, but it hurt the financial sectors. So the, the cause of it's always going to be different. But when it comes to the emergency fund, if you and your spouse have income sources from totally different segments of the economy, for lack of a better term, then potentially the, the loss of both incomes is lower. Like maybe you get hurt because the unemployment rate goes up and your client base, your revenue starts to drop, but maybe your spouse is a teacher and they're the risk of them losing their job is extremely low. So in that scenario, maybe it's, or a lawyer, a doctor, doesn't matter, but like wherever someone is, if like your spouse is working in something where their paycheck is more reliable or stable or whatever term you want to use, then you could be on the more conservative end three to four months instead of the six, the 
five, six, seven months range. If you're the sole person in your household, whether you're single or if you are married and you're the sole income for the house, then that risk tolerance or that risk profile is higher. So you might want to be on the six to seven month mark. And again, there's no, you can go higher. There's no, the upper limit of these, because you might be thinking to yourself, oh, well then I'm my emergency fund. If it should, if it's good for six, maybe I should make it 12 months or 24 months. And that's fine. There's in that six to 12 month range, in my opinion, that's up to you. Like you can sleep better at night knowing that there's a full year of your personal expenses covered. God forbid something happens. That's totally on you. The only caveat to that is to be careful of putting too much in cash because of the economic environment you're seeing now. It's highlighting that if you're trying to build wealth for the long run, and especially I think most people listening to this are fairly young, so you have decades left before quote unquote retirement age. So you have to be careful over time of the drag all that cash has on your ability to grow wealth because it's typically barely keeping up with or losing to inflation. So you want to, they call it like a cash drag. So you want to be careful of that because you might be like, oh, well, I'm very conservative. So I'm going to have three years worth of expenses. I mean, that's okay if you want to do that, but just be aware of the situation. Like I'm not saying don't do that, but I, I do run into clients where we have to have that conversation because there's just too much sitting in cash and over decades that needs to be put to work. And again, that, that doesn't, I'm not telling you what asset class to put it in, but it needs to, if you're trying to grow wealth, that's one of the things that you have to balance out that the money needs to be growing for you, not sitting in cash. So just be aware of that. There's nothing wrong, especially if, if you're starting to get worried about a really bad economic situation coming, there's nothing wrong with, going over those rules, rule of thumbs of like that six months or seven months, maybe go out to a year, but the rule of thumb is three to six months. And it's based on one income, two incomes, and how similar those two incomes are. So let's talk about, we're staying with the personal expenses for a minute. So we say, just to keep the math simple, let's say we decided six months is best for you. So what goes into that? You really need to look at your current expenses that are obligatory and not going anywhere. So here's what I mean by that. Your car pay, pardon me, your car payment, your mortgage, your rent, cell phones. There's certain things in your life, especially most people listening to this are into fitness, like your even like your gym membership. That that's likely if times are tough, if you're like most people who like fitness, like that also keeps you sane and lowers your stress levels. So a gym membership is what most people listening to this would probably call like an obligation. So you want to make sure you're looking at all your expenses. So I'm going to keep the math simple. If we're saying you have $10,000 a month of, re- of recurring expenses, but you start to itemize it and look down the list and say, okay, we talked about the cell phone, the mortgage, the rent, the car, whatever it is, like the, the gym membership, a handful of those things, they're all things that you're not going to be able to cut out. But then you start looking at the other line items, like what you're spending on the bars and restaurants, what you're spending on entertainment, tickets, things like that. If that all comes out to on an average basis, like $10,000, the emergency fund is not necessarily set 
on $10,000 because you can pull out the things, especially if you're trying to like have this cash last longer. Like if you're like, oh, geez, I'd love to have, hypothetically, you're like, I'd love to have 12 months. But Pat just said that requires $120,000 because I'm spending $10,000 a month. Well, that's not necessarily the case because again, we will be able to back out. But when you go through this, back out the things that you wouldn't be spending money on if times were tough. So if you spend $1,000 a month on entertainment, like going to shows and things like that, like I'm in here in Vegas, so that's like more popular. Like you can go to shows and things like that. If times are tough, you can easily remove those from your life. So now you're down to 9000 Same thing with restaurants and just things like that would be like switching your going out to dinner and things like that would potentially be switched to groceries. So your grocery bill might actually go up, but you would have likely a net savings compared to dining at nice restaurants and things like that. So you would go through and make it that list. Like you might have daycare on there, things that you can't. Well, actually daycare is a good example. I'm glad I accidentally brought that up because daycare is one that you can evaluate as a household because in theory, if, someone loses their job, you can remove daycare as an expense because now someone's home. Conversely, as business owners, that's a decision you have to make inside your household because your revenue might be down. You might be in emergency fund survival mode, but you're still working your butt off to try to get the business back to where it was because you're losing clients and the economy's hurting you. So that's an interesting one that you'll have to decide on your own. But in general, you can look at your expenses and see what you can start removing that you wouldn't have in tough times, like the travel expenses, like things like that. If you really needed to tighten things up, there's going to be things that you can remove. So remove them from the emergency fund as well, because you're funding the things that you cannot get out of. So now let's get into the business side. The, the, the concepts are the same. You want to have probably about six months on the business side, because in this scenario, you don't have a spouse that's contributing to the business. If in the scenario that we talked about before, where it was the personal, you could have two incomes inside of the business. If you, if you run this with your spouse or significant other or something like that, that doesn't play a factor because you guys are running, you're both tied to the same revenue number and the same expense number. But you want to also, just like we talked about with the personal emergency fund, we want to look at the, the obligatory expenses things that you can't get out of, like you might be paying rent, you might have your team. There might be things that you're doing, like traveling to things that might be, you maybe could do the virtual alternative, whatever it is. You want to have an idea what that number is because you want to set an emergency fund for the business as well. You want to have a strong foundation so you're not cutting the most important parts of your business that are helping it go just because times are tough. You know, you don't want things to slip with taking care of the clients you do have because you have to lay somebody off. So that one might be a little more straightforward, put the obligatory expenses and you could look at the, the meals and entertainment and things like that, that are inside of your, your monthly expenditures. And in theory, those could be cut down if you really had to tighten things up. So that was, that was the first one, emergency fund. Number two, we sort of talked about that, but you really have to understand your numbers. And this is not just in the rear view mirror. You want to start running projections on cash flows to see like where you really need to be, like what your true, what would run different scenarios for 
when the revenue drops? Like, what do you really need as a break even? And then in terms of that, when that's like the cash flow forecasting, like, what do you really need as a break even so that you can continue paying your own personal salary if you're an S Corp, your team, things like that? See what that number is. Get a really good idea of where you need to have your revenues at on a break even basis to keep the business paying for itself. Even if it's tough times and you're not very profitable, it's still keeping your team afloat. And how many months could that last? And then start to look at the revenue. What do you sell? What are the sources of revenue? And which ones are likely based on this current situation that you're looking at? Again, you might be listening to this in October 2022 or somewhere in the future where what what the concerns are completely different. But you want to evaluate your revenue sources and what you're selling and what might be impacted and how. Because in theory, some of the revenue sources won't be impacted equally. Like if you have one-to-one coaching, that's a high ticket. If your clients are losing their jobs for X, Y, or Z reason, that might be more impacted than something that's at a lower ticket, like on a group side or courses and things like that, where might take less capital from the buyer. But you want to look at those things. You really want to have an idea of where the revenue and the cash flows are going to be in the future and different scenarios on where they break even and what to put your attention towards when things start to potentially slow down. And then inside of knowing your numbers, it's also like when we get to the expense side, how can you pay for things? Like what things can you not put on a credit card? Because that's part of understanding how you can like the emergency fund is part of it, but having the ability to get some leverage is going to be important. Now, this is the part where I said in the beginning of the the podcast, I'm not, I'm not recommending people go out and get debt and credit cards and things like that, but it can be very helpful to have those relationships in place relationships with like, you might have already approached your credit card and increased your limit. I'm not saying go use that limit, but having a higher limit going into the recession could help you if there's certain expenses you need to throw on a card to buy yourself some time. Same thing if you have a line of credit from the bank, like getting that line of credit when times are good and your business is good is the time to do it. Because once the economy is bad, once your revenues are slipping and your profits are slipping, that's when if you approach the bank at that time, the chances of them being open to it are much lower. I'm going to butcher the the saying, but Mark Twain has like a famous quote, basically bankers will lend you their umbrella when the sun is shining, but ask for it back when it's raining. Basically saying that banks are willing to lend money to people who don't need it. So when your business is rocking and rolling, your profits are amazing. Banks would love to give you a loan because they know you're going to pay it back and they're going to make the interest. When times are tough and you actually need it, banks don't like to lend money to people who truly need it. That's the problem with the banking industry in general, but it is what it is. I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm just telling you that's the reality situation that you want to talk to your banker or talk to your credit card company when things are good. And they might be like, oh yeah, we'll increase your credit limit or yeah, we'll extend a line of credit. And again, I'm not saying use them, but you, you want to understand what you could use them for to extend yourself. Again, the the emergency funds will only go so far. Maybe you don't even end up tapping your emergency funds because you've done other things. 
but you want to explore all your capital needs and what you can put on it. Like for example, you can't put like most of them don't allow this. You can't really put payroll on a credit card. Most of the payroll providers want to debit that from a bank account. So that's something that would be important to know when we're looking at understanding your numbers, like which of these payments get pulled directly from a bank account. They're not being put on a credit card where you can buy yourself some time for the economy to improve, to build your, your strategies back up. So that was number two, really understand your numbers and understand the cash flows, not just the profit and loss, but the actual cash flow. And that's a, an important distinction. I didn't intend on talking about this, but it's an important distinction that, that you should know profitability and cash flow are two separate things. Now for your online coaching business, often they're similar. And the reason is because when you take a profit and loss statement, it tells you the profitability, which is may sound obvious. However, it doesn't show you the cash that's leaving the business all the time. For example, it doesn't tell you the cash that leaves the business to repay debt. A profit and loss statement doesn't show that. When the expense is incurred, it goes on there. But to just use a, a very simple example, if you put $10,000 on your credit card today, and let's just say that's to build a course, you pay, you're paying $10,000 on October, recording this on October. So your October 22 profit and loss month monthly statement will show that $10,000 expense. So that will be reflected in your profit and loss statement that month. Then you switch over to November. Now let's say you had a, a month where you brought in an additional $10,000, but you took that 10,000 and you immediately gave it to the credit card company. In your November statement, it will show that extra $10,000 worth of revenue, but it won't show that you that $10,000 left your bank account. So your profit and loss statement in November might look fantastic because you didn't incur that expense in November. You heard it in October, oh, incurred it in, incurred it, sorry, incurred it in October, but you paid it in November. And that's when the revenues started to benefit from what you invested in the month prior. So the profit and loss statement in November is going to look very nice. So you might be using that to make decisions and say, well, I'm, I have a ten, an additional $10,000 worth of profit, but that $10,000 left the bank account and you paid that credit card off. Now you're back to zero. So you have to look at the cash flow statement because that's where that will be captured. The fact that $10,000 actually left the business. So this, this is not necessarily as critical for business owners that aren't buying like inventory and putting things on there, like basically incurring debt. If that's not you, then your profit and loss statement and your cash flow statement, they're going to look very similar. But it's very important that you start to look at those cash flows, especially if one of your recession proofing strategies is, well, I've got a... I've got great credit. I always pay everything off. I've got a $50,000 credit limit. So my emergency fund is six months plus my credit card. I can go nine months. 
And so I'm, I'm confident that's great in that hypothetical scenario. That's great. But if that's the situation you're saying, all right, I'll, I'll, one of my strategies is I'll start to put certain things on a credit card and buy myself some extra runway for the economy to improve. You will need to start looking at your cash flow statements because they will start to reflect things that are important to see, like when the cash starts leaving the business at a different rate than the profitability. So that's just part of why you want to understand thoroughly the cash coming in and out of the business, because that's the lifeblood of your business and the cash leaving your personal life. Because that's another thing that might be important to recognize. If your revenue starts to drop, if you're getting, if you're always used to pulling $10,000 out of the business, maybe the business has a profitability of $20,000 and you're pulling 10,000 out and you have 10,000 left and you're, and you're doing strategic things with it. So you're not really worrying about it. You're, maybe you're saving it in the business to do something. If revenue drops and you're still pulling 10,000 out, you need to be mindful that your bank account inside the business is no longer growing or not growing at the same rate. So it's part of why I think it's valuable when people have what's like what we call virtual CFOs and the work that I do is because we're tracking those numbers, not just the profitability, but the cash coming into the bank account and the cash leaving the bank account when you pull it out for owner's draws or for to buy an investment property or anything where the money is leaving the business. When money leaves the business, when it's not an expense, it's not reflected in your profit and loss. So it's important to, to be looking at all of that. All right. So number three, continue marketing. Now we talked about with the emergency fund and we talked about with knowing your numbers, we, we're going to be in a mindset of getting lean and that's great, but you want to not stop your marketing for two reasons. One, and I'm not a marketing person, so don't hold me to, to this, but from the research I've done and from all the advice I've ever been given from marketing experts, the cost of marketing or the reach of marketing tends to go, I shouldn't say the cost, the reach of the... <laughs> The power of your dollar in marketing tends to go up in tough times because many of your competitors will likely cut marketing because it's a line item that might be fairly expensive on their profit and loss statement, and they may consider it optional when things are tough. So from a, the other side, I believe they said this happened in the last downturn, like the people who were doing, I think it was Google ads, and don't quote me on this, I think you were you could buy much more reach for the same budget when the economy hit and the economy crashed because most people were like no longer marketing. So the supply and demand worked to your advantage. So when your competitors are losing their brand awareness and not trying to grow while things are tough, you could be doing so. And you can come out of the other end stronger than you actually went into this because most people cut it. Again, I'm not a marketing expert by any means, I'm just telling you that is very important to try to maintain. So when you're looking at the numbers we just talked about in rule number two, plan for maintain, like what things could you remove from your budget so that you don't remove marketing? And that might lead to some tough decisions, like getting rid of something else in your business. Like that might, you know, some, something that you were, that you value, but you don't want to lose the marketing. So consult a marketing expert on that strategy. But I would, when you're putting your budgets together, in my opinion, you should keep the marketing expense there. 
and look for other ways to, to get lean because you want to come out of this stronger. And oftentimes the companies who did this during the 0809 downturn, they were thriving on the other end because they, they kept in front of potential customers. So those are the, the four or sorry, the three, and I'll give you a bonus one. You know, we, we said the emergency funds, understand your numbers and continue marketing. And here's a bonus one. Try to add recurring revenue to your business. And I call this one a bonus because I don't think it's as easy for some people, but, and it also takes a lot more time. So it's not like, Hey, the, the market's crashing. I'm going to do this right now, but recurring revenue businesses, their business models are much more resilient inside of an economic downturn. But here's what's even better because it creates, it creates a predictable revenue stream for you. So it makes everything that we talked about before with the emergency funds, with knowing your numbers, much more easy to do, much easier to do because a lot of the revenue is recurring. But here's the other cool part unrelated to economic downturns. If you're growing your business for the, for the purpose of increasing its value, recurring revenue businesses sell on average at a higher multiple because people like predictable revenue streams. So that is a value to a potential buyer that you can show them. Yeah, this is, this is how many people are coming in recurring. So that might be trying to, to do, work out things with your clients that they renew for 12 plus month memberships instead of three months to 12. Talk to the, there's a lot of very phenomenal business coaches that can help you with this that are on the sales marketing side of fitness businesses. You guys know who they are. I would reach out to them to help with this and say what you're trying to do because I'm the guy, I'm a finance guy. I'm not trying to tell you what to do with how you're onboarding client services and things like that. But if you can work this into your business model outside of recurring, outside of a recessionary fears, it will, it will serve you better, especially if you get 10, 20 years down the road, and you want to sell this business. So hopefully this has been helpful. I'll give you a quick recap again of the, the, the four really that I went into emergency funds, both personal and business, understand your numbers and your cash flows. Now, don't just look at just your profit and loss statement, but look at the cash coming in and out of the business and try to project it into the future at least six months to try to see where the cash will start to dry up if things get tough. Three was continue marketing. So that's part of understanding your numbers, budget for trying to keep marketing in place. And the last one, if possible, start to look for ways to get your clients to book with you for longer so that it's more recurring revenue or some sort of subscription model that that is likely to have a, a lower drop-off rate than people that are graduating your program. So hopefully these three plus the bonus were, were helpful. As always, if it was helpful or you have any friend that is stressing about what they're hearing in the news and they're worried about the economic downturn, if this could help them, please share. And if you're sharing it on social media, please give me a tag. Instagram is at the Pat Darby. All right, guys. Hope you have a great week. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. 
for video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.